We were designed for deep and intimate connection, but far too often we find ourselves on relational autopilot. You want the marriage you dreamed of, not the marriage that you're settling for. Each week we share personal and professional stories, giving you tools and guidance, empowering you to restore and reimagine the marriage you always wanted. Welcome to the Thrive Marriage Podcast. Each month in our Thrive Marriage Lab membership community, we interview an expert on the topic we're discussing. While the entire interview is available to members only, we'll bring you a snippet of those conversations to launch our monthly theme. This month, we're talking about what it means, truly means, to leave your mother and father and join your spouse. What does it look like to leave well and to leave poorly? Our expert is Dr. Dan Allender, founding president of the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, co-founder of the Allender Center, author and friend. We'll jump right in to the interview with Dan. And so our ability to, you know, the fancy, nice psychological word is individuate. If you have not individuated out of your family, to be able then to honor your family, to honor, care for, and love your family then you will not have the capacity to form a new loyalty, and that is with your spouse. Uh, I've said many times that I had the privilege of marrying both my two daughters, my son, officiate that is, and in that context, they each asked uh, in their own way, what things would you like to have in the ceremony? And you know what I said to him is, I, I, at some point, I want you to turn to your mother and father, and even though I'm officiating, I'll go sit with Becky and begin the process of thanking us. And because at least in two of the cases, I was paying for the wedding, you know, I said, take 30 to 40 minutes uh, <laughs> to thank us, uh, just to, and I said, you could start in all, you know, major categories, or you could start chronologically from the kindergarten up. Uh, the point being that after you finish thanking us for all that we have brought, all the harm and all the good we have done, at some level, you need to look at us and then say, from this point on, my loyalty to you has ended. I will love you and honor you, but I will never be loyal to you because my loyalty now belongs to the one I'm about to say yes to. And that notion that um, I, I want my children to honor and to respect and engage, but uh, their deepest commitment is to honoring and loving their spouse. And that shift is a death. It is a death for a person. It's a death for a family. So weddings begin with a funeral. Uh, and uh, if you don't hold that to be true, then you've not understood that loyalty requires uh, a couple to be able to say, we will not be with you for Christmas, probably for years. We're not gonna have vacation. There is no such thing as a vacation with a parent. You can visit. But don't you dare confuse vacations and visiting. And again, it's not the issue of, but I love my mom and dad. They're great. They're the greatest people in the world. Great. That should make it easier to end the relationship with them. Uh, not harder, easier. So that freedom to die in order to be resurrected into a deeply new loyalty. Here's the complication as much as you may love your spouse and you say you trust them 
well, uh, it's unminted trust. Uh, it, trust is only developed over many, many, many years. So that's where people need to hear that the notion of leaving their spouse, I'm sorry, leaving their family of origin it is, is an ongoing reality. I mean, I, I think you could be married 50 years, your parents in the grave for many of those decades, there's still a leaving of your spouse. So it includes socioeconomic status, your favorite team, uh, your favorite hobbies. It's not that we have to give everything up, it's that we have to be assured in our own heart and for our spouse, there's no competition. There's no other lovers. There's no other presence that takes our deepest commitment soul-wise to the other. And when that's the case, then you've got the basis of the ability to develop a kind of communion where there is a capacity to handle conflict. Until then, there will always be that possibility, not so much literally, but more metaphorically and soul-wise, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna leave you. So when we were listening, we were listening to Dan talk about family of origin and, and we found ourselves talking about leaving. And he was describing uh, when his children got married and kind of what, what would the perfect scenario be? What should that have looked like? Um, yeah, and, I, and I, I think there's a lot there. There is a lot there. And I loved how he talked about his, his kids in that, that very intentional movement of the, the children giving honor to the parents mm -hmm. and then very clearly intentionally uh, marking a moment that says, I am actually leaving you. I'm actually leaving you and thank you for what you've offered and I'm leaving and then turning to the other parents and I'm thank you for what you've offered and I'm leaving. And that like, how many of us do that in our wedding ceremonies? I, well, how many of us know to do that and how many pastors um, lead you through that, you know, marking that as part of what is important in the, in the ceremony. Um, that, that's the point of the ceremony. I mean, to mark a moment in right. where there is a before and there is an after, mm -hmm. uh, right? And we, it, it, so many weddings just focus on the music and the, and the gown and, and all that stuff that goes with it. But the true ceremony, it, the ritual of marriage is to ritualize the leaving process which is huge. It makes me think of, uh, as we, as my husband and I counseled couples when we were leading young adult ministry, I can't even, Mark must have done, you know, 30 weddings or something. Right. I can't even count. And I can remember, you know, so there's all those symbolic things that you do. So the lighting of the unity candle and multiple young adult couples talking about the tension that was there with their parents because are you gonna, you know, the moms walk down and light those candles, mm -hmm. the single candles, and then the couple lights the center candle, and then are you gonna leave those candles burning or do you <laughs> blow them out? Right. right. Right? Like, because you're snuffing out your mother. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or your parents, if you blow that candle out and say, we are now 
this is what becomes paramount. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I can laugh about it, but I think that it, it was a genuine tension. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're just, if you were, you know, 18, 20, 22, 23 years old, when you got married, Mm -hmm. like that is just so young, really, to know who you are and to have the confidence. Yeah. It's necessary to stand up and say, no, we're going to, we're going to blow that out. Yeah. Thank you. Like, thank you. <laughs> and stay seated, right? And stay there. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. I I know for us that wasn't anywhere in in our concept of what, you know, you described the unity candle and all that. There was no concept of that that leaving, uh, the transferring of loyalty, the mm-hmm. movement away from the parents, right? Clearly it was a moving out. It was moving away and the financial and all that stuff, but there wasn't that acknowledgement to, to the actual emotional and relational departure that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I love Tracy that you even just said you're snuffing out your mother. <laughs> right. Uh, right? Uh, and, and how we, yeah, we laugh at that, but that's actually what does need to happen in that transfer mm-hmm. of loyalty, that movement mm-hmm. away. Uh, and, uh, what, what frees, what freedom then results from that? What actually comes for both the parents and the now adult children who are leaving? Like there's, there's freedom and a movement into a totally different relationship, Mm -hmm. but unless that's marked like that in, in those kinds of very intentional ways, I think it just continues on without attending to what the relationship is going to be. And that's where I think all the other, relational mother-in-law struggles happen and like do I have what it takes as a new husband you know do I need to call mom to find out what to do with my wife like all that stuff is is unless you've made that movement very clearly it can get very hard and I think Dan also talked about you know it's a death Mm -hmm. so you're marking you know marking and ending is, is about something has died, something has, it, it has, this, this is done, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so when, when winter, when fall comes, like I love fall and, and fall is like, I'll refer to it as a beautiful slow death. Mm-hmm. Because, because winter says like, that is done. That, that summer, that spring, that summer, that fall, that foliage, falls to the ground and is finished. And, and there's a, a period of, uh, that feels cold, right? Why it goes quiet. And then something else is going to, spring will come again and there'll be new foliage and new trees and new leaves. Um, but I think I, I just, even with my own adult children who like we're, we're on that road of marking that with a couple of them. Um, and got real close when my daughter almost got married a few years ago. Um, but Mark and I spent a lot of time like, okay, how do we do this? We've taught it. We've counseled others through it. How do we let our kids know we understand and, and we are participating in, in the process of letting this peace that has been who we've been to one another, letting that die so that something else can be born and we can celebrate that whatever that new thing is and we'll all figure it out together 
but this is no longer. Right. Um, you know, there's almost something as you're talking about the, the death of something, as Dan talked about the death of something, um, that, that as you're talking, I'm just imagining the processional is very similar to a funeral processional. Oh, for sure. There is a movement into the church and up to the altar that there is this movement towards death. And then actually it is, it has to be that death of that previous life and relationship with the parents and all that. So that the uh, recessional Mm -hmm. is this movement back out into a new life. It's almost Mm -hmm. this, you know, like I said, like a funeral, it's almost like even baptism in the sense that you go down into the death so that you can be reborn. And that, that has to be marked. That has to be marked. So, uh, and as we're saying, very few of us had that marked well. Mm -hmm. Very few of us had that marked well. So there's really, there's the, uh, the story of like the beginning, but the beginning is before the beginning because you, you bring all of that history up into the church with you. You know, what's the story before the marriage? Um, and I think sometimes it's, it's hard for couples to go back, you know, and sometimes you're going back a long way. Right. You, know, you mean going back to, to think to about it, that death and to acknowledge right. that and to actually right. ritualize that in some ways. Yeah. Remember you and I did a, we did an intensive for a couple last year mm-hmm. that I, how long have they been married? Mm-hmm. 50 years, 45. I mean, yeah. I think it's like 45 years. Long time. Yeah. Long time. And found ourselves back in that space with them naming and recognizing mm-hmm. that what happened around that time, what happened around those days had tremendous impact that was still that like rippling and echoing 40 years later. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and yet we needed to go back. Yeah. There was a leaving that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't, it's not too late. 40 years later, you can still leave. And, you know, as you bring that up, like we even created for that couple, a new ritual. Right. Of, of that laying things down uh, mm-hmm. and laying down that previous relationship. I was working with another couple where really those, those couple of days before the wedding and then actual wedding day and then the couple of days after the wedding uh, were just laden with deep connection with the family of origin. And that couple didn't leave and didn't have that sense. Um, and it was, they'd been married 20 plus years and it was still something of deep pain um, for right. both of them. So I think as we talk about it, you said, you know, that it begins before the beginning. And to really set up a marriage, I think a lot of times marriages don't realize that, that those ties that break, that mark hasn't happened in the past. So they are living currently in the, in the present, not thriving in their marriage because their, their roots are still connected to uh, a tree that should have been, uh, what's the word, felled, right? Cut down, uh, whatever beforehand. And so they need, they but they don't even realize it. Um, and right. I think some of the work that couples need to do is think about, talk about together, and then even move uh, eventually into how, what do we need to do with our family of origin? 
if they're, they're, those parents are still alive, is there something we can do there to reclaim or restore some part of our current marriage as part of that departure leaving from our parents uh, to maybe ritualize that in some way, or even just privately um, to do something internal to the marriage that says, hey, we're going to mark this for ourselves because it wasn't marked in the past. Yeah, I think even, you know, sitting down uh, individually, taking the time to sit down and think about, okay, what, you know, what, what do I remember? What was, what was true for me? What was true for me that day, I, you know, walking down that aisle and, uh, and in the days ahead and, um, and then coming together to share that in this context, right? So we're not talking about, you know, what are you feeling about, you know, your dress or the flowers or that? That's not it. What was true for you about what was going on in the realm of your relationship with your mother, with your father, um, uh, with the way that your family always has done things? How, how did that impact the week of the wedding? How did that impact the planning for the wedding? How did it impact that day? And then coming together to share those stories with each other and then, and then get curious, how, how did that continue? Right. Where is that maybe still true today? Or how did that color, how did that color what it looked like when, uh, when we had to move, when there was a new job? How did that color um, when we found out we were pregnant or when we found out we couldn't get pregnant, when that baby was born, when no babies were born, when we chose to adopt and we chose not to have children, just all, right, all of the things. And then, and then you get to wonder, okay, what do we want to do? Right. What do we want to do with that? Um, mm-hmm. What would we like to do with that? And what needs to happen with that in order for us to step truly into the, into the life. And I love how you, we were talking just a minute ago about uh, unless you step fully through fall into winter, you cannot enter into spring. Mm-mm. And I think there's this perpetual fall or this perpetual winter that a lot of marriages find themselves in just surviving mm-hmm. that, they want to, they know they want to step into spring, but they don't quite know what's holding them back from that. And I think this is a significant place that couples can really do some good work to step into the life that God designed them to have in their marriage that they've not quite, they've known that it existed and maybe they've begun to taste some of it, but uh, haven't fully stepped into. When I think we're, we're fearful maybe mm-hmm. and resistant to name and enter the suffering that's there in in the death yes like you know and so your words we get stuck in you know perpetual fall or maybe even perpetual winter Mm -hmm. um it but we're acting like it's not Right. Instead of just going, wow, you know, there's been suffering here and that's a ten- that's hard to hold to name, you know, my, my, par- I love my family and, and I've suffered. Right. And can, it, you know, so we tend to tip, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, one direction or the other. And I think often tip into, you know, but it's mostly just good. It's all right. We're okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it really isn't still affecting us. That was then, but you know, we're really pretty good now. And there's just freedom. It's just on the other side, right. Of letting the truth be true. Right. Well, and I think what you're saying too, is that there is a resistance to actually let something die. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the, the soul ties that are made to the parents, the, the vows and commitments, uh, on like subconscious vows and commitments. Like I must take care of my family. I must make sure that mom's okay. I must make sure to please dad, whatever those vows are, right. Those are the things that prevent someone from actually stepping into that new spring, uh, of thriving because they're so committed to, uh, those old ways. But we have to let those things die in order for something to live. That's kind of the core of the gospel, right? It is the core of what is it's true. It's not even kind of the core, right? It yeah. is. It is the core. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yeah. We, want, we want resurrection without death. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. not, it's, that is not the way of Jesus. Yeah. This is so good. In about a month and a half, I am officiating a wedding. And so this, this, even this conversation today is, is helping me think, how would I like to help this couple who are, you know, in their, in their thirties, uh, step into this, this movement, this process of, of death. And I think there's even some other things for them because they're, they're not in their twenties like Beth and I were when we got married. Um, they're in their thirties. So there's both the family of origin and then there is their, their single life that needs to also move into a place of death that they need to step away from in order to uh, come to this new life. So it's helping me even rethink how, how to organize and how to counsel this couple as they're moving into this new life of marriage. Thanks for listening to the Thrive Marriage Podcast, where each week we're bringing you personal and professional stories to help your relationship. You can learn more about us at restorationcounselingnoco.com or find out more about the Thrive Marriage Lab membership community over in our digital laboratories, restorylabs.com. We open membership up only twice a year, so make sure you join the waitlist to be the first to know. We'll see you same time, same place next week.